Welcome to Real Talk with Tina and Ann. I am Ann, and this week is a little different because Tina is off the grid doing a very treacherous trail in Hawaii. All she has is a backpack and a friend. And I've been talking with her before she hit the trail this morning, and there was a double rainbow as soon as she landed. There is a tropical storm coming her way when she is at a pretty high altitude. So she is going to batten down and pray. And we're going to be praying with her and can't wait to have her back and find out all about her trip. But today we have a fill-in host, Carrie. Uh, She's been with us before. And she is a school counselor of over 30 years. And I thought that she would be perfect for this job today since we have a special guest. Shannon Fisher is a very special teacher with the Wadsworth City Schools. She is trauma trained and is one of the chosen teachers for the Wadsworth Grizzly Academy that we talked about a couple of weeks ago. This is a school that is putting mental health above academics. They are taking care of the mental health of their staff and making sure that they are trauma-informed as well. So we are so glad to have you on today, Shannon. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here and talk with you all today. So tell us a little bit about your background and what led you into teaching in in the first place. Uh, Thanks for asking. So, you know, everyone has things they want to be when they grow up. And when I was growing up, I always wanted to be like this or a teacher or something else or a teacher. Teacher was always kind of my um, go-to, I guess, backup. And uh, I went to the University of Dayton for my undergrad many, many years ago. And um, when their program is very rigorous and they start you out your freshman year doing um, field placements and different things. And so it just worked out that if I had gone in undecided and then decided to go into education, I would have ended up going longer. And so my mom said, well, why don't you just start in education first? And if you don't like it, it'll be easier to change, but at least you'll know. And so I went into it and loved it. I got my bachelor's in early childhood education in 2002 And then um, I got my master's in special education in 2007 from the University of Toledo. Um, And then my trauma certification from Star Commonwealth in 2020. So, yeah, I was going to say you took your role a step further in that you have decided I'm a certified trauma and resilience practitioner. I mean, what Mm -hmm. does that mean? Yeah. So basically, Star Commonwealth is a big organization up in Michigan. Um, They do a lot of they've been around for a very long time. And so um, I actually, I want to say it was 2018-ish, did some trauma trainings with Missy McLean. She does a lot of things out of Akron Children's. She actually came to Wadsworth City Schools. I'm not sure what year, but she did something with us for the whole staff for a couple hours in the morning. And then um, I wasn't one of the integrated preschool teachers at the time. And so I went to a training um, through that. And I just kept noticing kids coming in with more challenging behaviors, even at a young age. Um, And it just really, I'm someone who always wants to continue to learn from my students. Um, A lot of trauma training has to do with understanding our body systems and our central nervous system and how we help kids co-regulate and those kinds of things, how we work through that, how we 
you know, the sympathetic nervous system and the autonomic nervous system and how we work with those things to help kids kind of stay regulated so that they can be successful. Um, and so that's a lot of information I didn't get in either of my degree programs. And I was really fascinated with it. So I was looking up where you can get certified. Um, and they're one of the people that do it and it's a virtual. And so, um, it, I actually signed up when I was on maternity with my youngest in 2019 thinking, oh, I'll be home for four months and I can do this. Um, and that didn't quite pan out. Um, <laughs> but I did end up finishing it over the pandemic um, that summer of 2020. Um, and so it was six classes. It's 30 hours. Um, and it talks about things like implementing trauma-informed classrooms, um, just lots of different information. And so that's kind of how I did that. And then I, I, I just um, needed to take continuing credits just to recertify every year. I mean, it sounds so complicated, though. I mean, there's just so much more to it than I would have thought about about the physical part of regulating. Yeah, yeah, there really is. And, you know, I was thinking about this this morning when I was thinking about talking with you all today. It's so interesting because when people go to school, I mean, I, I should say I graduated 20 years, 21 years ago. So um, with my bachelor's, so maybe they do talk about this now um, in undergrad. But, you know, there was a lot of um, like educational theory and even some of the educational psychologists like Piaget and Vygotsky and all those things. Um, and then really that content, this is what you're going to teach. And here's the best practice to teach it. Um, but it's so interesting because now there's so much more technology and mm. they can put people in an MRI machine and see when you get a consequence, this is the part of your brain that lights up. And when you get a reward, it's actually the same part of your brain that lights up. Most people don't realize that. Oh my. Um, yeah. And so they're actually able to see these things better now and understand. And so, you know, here we are teaching little humans or as parents, you know, or, or grownups raising little humans. And, um, we get told all of this, like what and how, but we don't really get the why, like this is what's actually happening inside someone's body and the things you need to be mindful of to make sure they're the most regulated they can be so that the information really does get in there and they're getting it. It is so interesting to me. I had no idea. Yeah. As an educator with preschool and kindergartners, what have you seen over the years in the classroom? I mean, what are some of the biggest needs, would you say, Shannon? Um, gosh. Now, I'm going to be real cautious about this because I uh, don't want to get anything specific because I never like to talk about specific things. But I will just right. say gen- in generally speaking terms, um, I think, um, you know, I feel like regulation is such a buzzword now in education and parenting cycles, but I do feel like that's a big part of it. I think um, kids being able to attend to a task for, you know, and a developmentally appropriate amount of time. um, I think that's a little bit more difficult. And, you know, I think that we, there's so much for people to say like, oh, maybe it's technology or social media. And sure. I think that's a piece But I also think a piece of it is that the adults that are raising these children, myself included, I have three little boys, um, or, um, and even obviously my husband, but, um, you know, for both of us, I feel like 
well, I don't know, maybe not my husband because he's a pretty calm person all the time. Nothing ruffles his feathers, but, but, um, but I just feel like there's so much more pressure even on adults than there used to be. And so we're all walking around dysregulated and probably don't know it. And so maybe we're not as present as we, you know, as maybe like people were with us when we were younger. And that's what's, that's kind of what teaches some of those focus and attention and helps develop those skills. You have Um, said so much there. I have taught so many people and nobody has said that. I mean, that is a really interesting way of looking at what's going on. Yeah, I think, you know, a lot of people like to say like, oh, it's this or it's that. I, I think it's a lot of different things. And I think everyone's just trying to do their best. Like no one's trying to not be present with their kids. No one's trying to, you know, but they're also humans that are trying to deal with their own regulation, you know? And so, but no one really pays attention to that or, or thinks about it. We just think we're all stressed out and at a hurried pace, but really information's coming at us from everywhere all the time. You know, like think about, you know, like my parents are in their 60s. My dad will be 70 this year. When my dad grew up, like there was the newspaper and the news. Like you didn't pick up a phone and have 5 million things coming at you, coming at you on your watch. I just don't think our brains are supposed to take in that much information that quickly. And so I do think that that has a piece to do with. I just don't think the brains can handle that. And then, you know, people need to put their devices down. Right. So there is that. There are so many distractions that are coming at us. You are so right as we're trying to deal with our kids at the same time. And I think our our parents were more present. I mean, it was Mm -hmm. just a different world. Yes. And I don't think it's because I think everyone's, I think, so, you know, I have an, um, an Instagram that I have for like parents and teachers that I'll share tips sometimes. And I think there's lots of wonderful information out there um, that people are sharing, you know, like um, Dr. Becky Kennedy is wonderful. And I found her through Instagram, you know, through social media, there's lots of really good information out there. Um, but I think even, even when you follow like a lot of really great parenting accounts that give you tips and tools or teaching accounts that give you things, um, but then it's like all these people are still also in your head and you're trying to do all the things to be the best parent or teacher that you can be. And then you're just not really being you. I don't know if that makes sense, but you know, it's like, we have to figure out a way to filter that. So we still are learning and growing, but it's not a constant barrage of it. You know, like we can only take in so much at a time. And so I think everyone's well, I think people are well-intentioned about it. I just think that um, somehow it gets lost in the shuffle. You and know? we're dealing with things that our parents didn't deal with. Yeah. I mean, social media, our parents did not deal with this kind of thing. Right. So, I mean, it's so difficult uh, for us to find that balance and to figure out what's okay and what's not okay and what yeah. to tolerate and what not and to, what battles we fight. And I mean, it's, oh, it's, it is hard to sure. figure out. Um, Carrie, Carrie, when you're in the classroom, I mean, you're a counselor. You've been a counselor for over 30 years. What have you seen with what we're talking about? I think Shannon said it amazingly um, that it is all the pressures. And uh, I think the students uh, take those on from adults, um, but they also come with their own. Um, So I think it's just that stress and pressure and 
the dysregulation piece is huge. Um, just, you know, calming and, and coming in and trying to get everyone on the same page at the same time has gotten, I believe, a little bit harder and harder to do. Uh, younger ones, obviously, you know, that's developmentally appropriate. But even as we get up into the upper grades, um, like I'm in grades three through six this year, it'll be four through six. But just, you know, walking through that door and they're all, you know, whatever the morning was or whatever the bus ride was or, you know, that's it's just all there and they don't know what to do with it or how to work through it to get back on track. And that's a lot of what we're um, seeing and trying to help with. You know, we had uh, Joyce Walker, Director of Student Services, and Aaron Simpson, the principal at the new Grizzly Academy. They spoke about the new program that you're going to be in, Shannon, and the needs of kids today. So what is going to be your role there? Yeah, so I will be, um, so the classes are split up K2 and then 3-4. So I'll be the K2 gen ed teacher, and I'll have a K2 intervention specialist with me, and then an, an RBT, a registered behavior technician in the room as well. I mean, it is just amazing what the Academy has put together. What do you Mm -hmm. think your day will look like with the students? Yeah, I actually pulled that up because um, we worked on this a lot. We've gotten together a couple of times over the summer and before the school year ended to kind of plan some things. Um, And I think it's really great. You know, kids are going to come in. They'll have the opportunity to have breakfast if they need to. And we're really doing a lot to make this really kind of like a family focus Um, So we're going to do every morning, we all start together um, doing some kind of like teamwork activity or opening activity. Um, We're going to be doing some pro-social learning. Um, We're going to have like a morning meeting time. Um, uh, Something that I do often um, that I've done for a lot of years, whether it was preschool or kindergarten, is um, I embed lots of regulation breaks throughout my day, Um, movement breaks or regulation resets throughout the day, especially before I'm going to be doing any kind of academic teaching, um, because I really want to get them to a place where they're like the most regulated that they can be before they're getting that information. So we'll have time doing like a morning meeting and a regulating activity. I think then we'll probably do some academic time um, they'll get some encore time. So phys ed, art, or music, there's going to be people coming um, to the academy to do that. And then a little bit more um, academic time, kind of a quick check-in, lunch and recess. And then after recess, we're going to do another reset, um, a little bit more academic time, and then like a wrap-up free choice, reflect on the day, and then they go home. So yeah. And then during that wrap-up time, they can finish assignments they didn't finish or, um, you know, they can do practice or do skill-based games or that kind of stuff. And then our counselor will be coming in as well during the day. So, you know, I can't, I have never seen a district put mental health together before, Mm -hmm. you know, anything else, um, before the academics yeah, more than this district has. I mean, this is absolutely amazing. Yeah, yeah. and I, and I think it's such a testament to the people leading our district. I've worked a lot of other places before I came to Wadsworth. Um, taught lots of grades, kind of moved around, and I've been in Wadsworth for almost ten years now. 
And it truly is the best place, you know, um, Dr. Hill and, and Joyce Walker and Aaron Simpson and, and Jen Thomas, all of those people, Mr. Moore. I mean, they really, um, and I'm not trying to like, if I left anybody out, I'm not trying to do that, but um, those are just the people that I've worked with, you know, like helping um, with this school and um, they're just wonderful. And, and they really do have a student's first mentality and you don't see that everywhere. So I think it's a true testament to them and their leadership. I think it's incredible. And I am, am so impressed um, with the opportunity these students are going to have. I mean, it absolutely is a life-changing experience for them. And it's just incredible to watch it unfold and watch all the key things um, be put into place that are needed. So um, just amazing. Great job. What are the th- some of the things that you do at your school, Carrie? Um, we try to do many of the things that Shannon mentioned, but obviously it's, it's such a bigger scale with the amount of students that we have. But we've um, done some social emotional learning check-ins. We have each student um, that fills out a form online, and we have a you know um, social emotional learning committee and PBIS. And we go through. We have a couple people, so it's you know more of a confidential piece there. Um, Teachers might have a check-in on their in their own class, but we have one school-wide that just um, people on the committee go through it. We prioritize um, if they want to, they can say what, you know, we were using um, different um, things to like, what, you know, zone are you in? We were using zones of regulation. So they could say what zone they are in. They could say what it was about. They could say who they if they wanted to talk with someone and who they wanted to talk with. And so we went, we go through all of those and prioritize them. And obviously the highest need ones come to me and it's just, you know, a quick check-in um, for some of them. Uh, they would have never told their teacher. They were, would have never told anyone else. Um, and sometimes they do tell the teacher. And so it's just an opportunity, another way for them to say, Hey, I need some help. I'm not okay right now. Um, so we have that in place and just um, for me doing groups and classrooms as I can and trying to bring people in to get the mental health needs met um, of students. We have Red Oak, which I know Wadsworth does as well, that comes in. And then we have a few other outside counseling agencies that come in and provide programs, specific programs for the students. You also have some anonymous uh, where c- people can come to you and talk about things that they need to within the district, within the school, anonymously. Yeah, they we we have um, the tip line that people can um, let us know that you know students in crisis or just um, you know students can fill it out, parents, community members. Um, so we get it that way. Um, you know, of course, we have Securely, which is a, a technology. Um, software that if any keywords come up, um, then I get alerted, the principal gets alerted, um, school psychologist, and uh, we figure out, you know, what to do and what approach to take, suicide assessment, whatever it might be. Yeah, you have caught many kids trying to find ways to hurt themselves and things like that. And you go and let the parents know and you try to get help for the students right away. Yes, yes, we've... uh, had many, especially with sixth graders, um, some fifth and sixth graders who are really, really in crisis. And we've, you know, been able to work with the parents 
um, have them assessed, uh, and it's been very helpful. Shannon, when trauma enters a child's life, what do you think, um, what should teachers do? Mm-hmm. I think I think the important thing um, for people to realize, number one, about trauma, I think so often when we hear trauma, we automatically think abuse, and that is obviously you know, some of the forms of trauma, but there are actually 16 different types of trauma that a person can go through. Um, It's on the NCTSN website. It's, you know, a house fire, um, loss of a loved one, bullying, all kinds of things. And so I think the the most important prerequisite or, or step teachers can take to ensure that they're able to be there for students when they have trauma is to make sure they have a strong connection first. Um, so students always know that they're safe because when trauma happens, that's what kids are looking for is safety. I think that's one piece. I think the other piece is that, um, you know, we have to be mindful of trauma, but we really should never be a trauma detective. So, you know, yes, we're mandated reporters from the state. If a student says certain things, we do have to make a call. Um, but there's a difference between that and trying to find out all the details of what happened to someone. Um, and instead, being trauma-informed is more having a mindset of being curious, like, hmm, I wonder, like, something must have happened to that person because they're acting that way, or, um, but not trying to find out what that is. I don't know if that makes sense, but, um, you know, and then and then when you do have that that connection and that child does feel safe if that child chooses to share about more about the trauma um then that's you know the child's decision um so it's more about holding space for them and helping them feel safe and having connection than it is about you know finding out all the details. I well, guess. If, it's, if a child doesn't feel safe within the classroom and trauma is going on, I mean, you can't even teach them at that point. Correct. And you'll That's never know. True. You'll just see their behaviors because they're not going to tell you that, you know, their sibling is, is sick with something chronic and, you know, this is what's happening. They're, they're not going to you're not going to know that information unless the parents or, you know, guardians tell you that. So, um, but if the child doesn't feel like there's that connection or they don't feel safe, you're not going to get that information. And, um, you're just going to see behaviors and, and not all kids who have trauma show behaviors. There's kids who, um, I've had lots of students over the years that have had some pretty significant trauma that I've known of from their parents or guardians. Um, and you would never know. I mean, trauma does not always equal challenging or explosive behaviors. Um, so That's yeah. a really good point. Yeah. I was just going to say that was very well said. It, that sometimes the students just want to come to school and not have to deal with the trauma or whatever is going on. And so we yeah. do provide that place. So, but I agree, connection is absolutely critical. Um, if you don't, and even for academics, I mean, let alone the emotional piece. Um, if, if they don't trust the teacher or the the adults around them, then they're certainly not at their best learning. So I agree with you that that safety piece, providing that safe place and space. I liked your trauma detective um, <laughs> because sometimes I, I, you know, I have to remind the teachers, um, you know, that's that's not our job. Our job is just to be there if 
they want to share with us. And just, you know, we can think all we want and wonder all we want and just being aware that there might be going something, you know, something going on. I think for us as um, where I'm at, just having those check-ins, the teachers, you know, established them and had a common corner in their room and some different things where it's just anybody can go there when they need to. And, you know, I think a lot of schools have gone to that and just, you know, that being trustworthy as an adult, um, you know, being clear, consistent, having boundaries and just, you know, trying to empower students and, and building skills of that social emotional piece. You know, now I went to school decades ago, not to give my age or anything, but yes, I am in my fifties, but there were just, you know, those things were just not in place for kids who had trauma. I mean, they just weren't, you know, my dad died when I was 11 years old and just one day I came home and he was gone and that changed me forever. And when I went back to school, I can remember this one teacher and he had come, he had uh, got down on my level and he was like, you know, if you ever need me for anything, you just let me know. And I never forgot him. Now I was also autistic on top of that. So I never did go to him because I just really did not do well in situations like that. But, you know, it is just so important to reach out to your students. And like I said, I mean, I never forgot him and other teachers that have been there for me along the way. So do you think it is hard to do that with the needs today? Do you think if classes were smaller? Because, you know, there's so many needs and the class sizes are pretty big. Now, I know the Grizzly Academy is doing it smaller, but do you think if classes were smaller, that teachers could do that more? Um, You know, I think it's about what you build into your day. And so I think you are able to do it, even if you have over 20 kids. I think it's what you put the focus on. So, um, you know, like Carrie said, doing check-ins is really important. But I just think taking the time to get to know each kid, whether it's, and I actually, um, I actually every year have this, it's going to sound like really hokey, but I track my positive interactions with kids. So I have all their names on a thing and I just put a hashtag, like, did I have a positive interaction with this kid today? Obviously I want to have one with every day, but let's say I notice like Susie got five and I only gave Johnny one or two. Then I like make a mental note for the next day. You know, I think, um, you know, to go ahead and do that, to try to, to do more. But I think, kids, all kids, um, you know, are good inside. All kids um, are excited for people to feel like people care about them and are paying attention to them and see them. And I honestly, I think, isn't that we all want as humans, we all want to be seen and heard and understood and validated. And I just think, I mean, I could go on about this forever, but I think it would be a very different world if we were just all seen and heard and understood and validated and it doesn't mean people agree with you, but you don't take away someone's humanness because you have a disagreement with them. The world needs to hear that. The yeah. World. Yes. And yeah. And I just think, I mean, even when I think about my boys at home, if let's say I, so my husband is also a teacher. He also has now started coaching football again, which he did when we were first married and had our first son. And then he stopped and now he's doing it again. Um, and so I, he teaches middle school. So he leaves at six 30 in the morning and I get everybody out the door to go where we're going. 
Um, my boys are seven, five, and three. So we'll have second grade in kindergarten this year. And then I have my three-year-old. Um, and during, he normally picks up during the school year because he gets out first, but during football season, I pick up. So there are days that I come home because, you know, if you have kids at home, sometimes you've already worked a morning, a full-time job, just trying to get people out the door and fed and dressed. And then you go to your job and you work a full job and then you try to pick them up and scoop up all the pieces and come home and make dinner. And so even just saying that makes me feel dysregulated. And then we wonder why we're like snapping at our kids, you know? And so even for me, even with all of this training that I have, there are times with my boys when I've like, it's been a morning, it's been a day at school. I'm just like, can we just go through the drive-thru at McDonald's or get a pizza for dinner? And something happens and I like snap and I lose it. And I say, if you do that again, you're going to bed earlier. If you blah, 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 you're not going to get ice cream or whatever. And I just think when in those moments, when we look at kids' behaviors like that, we do, we don't, we see the behavior. We see the thing that's frustrating us and we go into fight or flight mode because we're going to fight the behavior because it's annoying us or upsetting us. And we don't always see the human, the child behind the behavior. And so I think how different would it be to handle things that way? Like to still see the person, like the behavior is just a symptom of something. Either they're tired or they're hungry or they're dysregulated or they're stressed out or, you know, all the things. The behavior is just an outward symptom of something, but it doesn't define who they are. So. Yeah, we just had a, a a situation recently with my daughter that was really extreme, and I was just immediately went to that. Well, you're going to lose this, and you're going to lose that. And I often, when I back out of something like that, I I tell myself, you know, there was a reason behind that, and I need to. And I even said why. And she's like, I don't know. And I really believe she doesn't know. So it's Mm -hmm. kind of like that getting down on their level, like that one teacher did with me. And, you know, you just say, let's try to help you figure this out together. And Mm -hmm. instead of just trying to correct the behavior, because there has to be a reason why. Yeah. And, and, you know, kind of, oh, sorry, Carrie. That's okay. I was just going to say that's it co-regulation piece that sometimes is hard to do as a parent like when you have had that day you know (laughs) oh for sure because then you're like you have to regulate yourself you can't how are you going to co-regulate someone else if you're not regulated that's what's so hard but you know I feel like I kind of went on this tangent but going back to your question about is it hard to do with the needs today I think if you make it a priority to have some type of connection with each kid every day even if it's just a quick passing thing, but to get to actually know that kid and who they are, um, I think you're, you are able to do that, even if your class size is larger, because they do feel like you see them. You're already planting the seeds each day, little by little, to let them know that they're seen and heard. So then when something does come up, they already know that you care, and they're not as defensive about it. Yeah, I love Go ahead, Carrie. I'm sorry. I was just going to say, I I did not find your tracking positive interactions with kids hokey. I think it's an (laughs) amazing, amazing, amazing idea and one that I'm going to uh, work on um, having our staff, even the secretary, the principal, um, specials, 
kind of keep an eye on that this year. I think that would make a huge, huge impact. And I do think class size, you know, for those teachers who do that, that's just a natural part of who they are as a teacher. I think you're right that you find the time and you make the connection and you you do it daily. Or like you said, if I notice, you know, one didn't get, you know, that interaction, then you do, you know, prioritize that the next day. But I think for teachers who that that academic piece is stronger for them than the emotional piece, I think it is harder with the larger class sizes, you know, along with the stress of um, trying to meet the standards and everything. But I agree with you, Shannon, and I love tracking that positive interaction with kids. We're going to stop our podcast there. This is going to be part one of our interview with Shannon Fisher. I want to thank Shannon and Carrie for coming today. Uh, Teachers are just not appreciated as much, and we just thank you so much for coming on and sharing. And we will have part two next week. Until next time.